Welcome back to another episode of the Mama To Be Honest podcast. My name is Jenea. It is a beautiful Saturday morning, Saturday afternoon, and this is episode seven. I am so excited to welcome a special guest today. She is a fellow mama that I so deeply admire and respect. She is a mother to two incredible teenage daughters. She has quite the resume that deserves its own interview, and (laughs) you will see why. She is a doctor of education. She holds a doctorate in counseling and forensic psychology. She holds a master's degree in psychology, specifically in marriage, family, and children, as well as her BA in social welfare, psychology, and African-American studies. She is a well-decorated professor of criminology, a small business owner, most importantly, a Cal alum. Bears. <laughs> no, but but most most importantly, my sister-in-law, Doctor Talia McClure-Moore. Thank you for being on the show. <laughs> How are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. Good, especially after that great introduction. Oh yeah, I'm feeling even better. <laughs> I was practicing. I was practicing <laughs> that one. No, I am so appreciative that you took time out of your day. I am so lucky that we live like 10 minutes apart. So that's just wonderful to be able to hop from house to house. Are you having a good weekend so far? What have, what have you got on the docket this weekend? Grading papers. Oh, grading papers. <laughs> yes. It is almost that time, end of semester. So that's what I'll be oh, doing. Oh, that's right. I am so out of touch with semesters, trimesters, and just school in general but it, I guess it is close to final season and graduation right about okay. two weeks away how are my nieces doing great good one is going to prom tomorrow oh yeah yeah no kidding yes yeah which one Michaela. okay does she have a date or is she going no with no, her no, girls? no no we, we, uh, we... <laughs> slowing down slowing down she'll be in attendance okay okay i would have put a pin in that yeah maybe <laughs> Her and her friends, yes. So does their prom, is their prom held at the school or is it like at a venue? It's at a venue. Okay, okay. Are they doing like the whole limo thing or do they, do kids even do that anymore? Do they think that's cool anymore? Um, They're doing like a Uber XL. Oh. Yeah. Okay. You know, economical and you you know. That's, that's great. Yeah, yeah. You know, I feel like, I feel like I'm so out of touch with. Gen Z, they're te- they're technically Gen Z, yeah. right? But I feel like the things that we thought were cool in our time are no longer cool with like this generation. <laughs> I was trying to get her a limo, but I think the friends just they wanted something <laughs> yeah, else. So okay. that, that's that's fine too. That's I'm fine with Uber XL. I feel like that's better on the wallet. <laughs> it, it definitely works. Yeah. <laughs> There's no deposit to be made with an Uber. Um, how to that's exciting though. But I would love to kind of jump right into it. I would love if you could share a little bit about yourself, your background, maybe a little bit about your career, and then when you became a mom. So a little bit about myself. I am a mother to two teenage daughters, 14 and 16, and I have a stepson who's actually 26. I became a mom at 26 myself. Actually, oh my goodness, I didn't even think about it. Oh my gosh. Right. He's nowhere close to being a parent, (laughs) so no, no issues there. And I mean, as far as professionally, so like you said in the introduction, I am a college professor, um, former law enforcement, community corrections officer. So that's where my background lies. And currently um, working primarily with graduate students who Mm -hmm. are pursuing a degree in forensic psychology or dual degree in counseling and forensics. So that's where my 
professional space mm-hmm. is. As a parent, like I said, I've been a mom since to my own kids since 26 mm-hmm. years of age. Yeah. And so I guess at this point, I'm a bit seasoned You're in seasoned. the game. You're a vet. Yeah, marinated well in this motherhood thing. <laughs> um, and so that that's kind of me. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's that's wonderful. No, I I admire you so much because I mean, your resume kind of speaks for itself, but I also feel like you are such a present and caring and just really invested mother with your girls. I think and these are my nieces. They are just the most smart, caring, beautiful, talented young women that that I have met. And it's just incredible to see that you as a very decorated, successful, career driven woman is also a very well decorated, successful mother. And I think now thinking about modern motherhood, you it's really rare to kind of see, you know, both at 100. It's usually like, you know, 60, 40, 80, 20. Some and... days it is. <laughs> yeah. Some, some days it is. Okay. Well, that's good to know. That's really good to know. But I would, I mean, I guess we could start with like, what's your secret? Has, is there, has there been, is there like a secret sauce? Like <laughs> I would love to say there's a secret sauce and bottle it up and sell it, but there actually is no secret. I mean, I think Really, it just comes with the intentionality of trying to be your best Mm -hmm. and acknowledging the fact that you may not be the best, but you're trying. Yeah. Um, I pour into my girls. I actually kind of shifted my career to be accommodating to their childhood needs. Um, And I think that that was probably one of the major parental moves that I made that really made our life balanced in the way that you see Okay. Um, so kind of stepping out of my my role mm-hmm. as a professional and really adopting the parent role. Okay. And so that's really, I, I guess that would probably be the secret. I would say the space of parenthood because it's so limited. It's so much of a, you know, a time commitment in that time. Mm-hmm. I shifted the priorities to being mom number one and right. then career professional number two. Right. Yeah. And so at 26, when you had Nikayla, mm-hmm. was that... Was that kind of like a sh- like a shock to you? Like because I feel like up until that time, twenty six, you're are you doing your masters at this point? Yeah. yeah, and I'm sure you're fully into you know getting that degree and studying and and all of these things like maybe internship. Was that kind of like a a, a shock to the system? Like where you had to kind of pull back and be like, okay, wow, I'm I'm about to be a mom. Like was that was that hard? It was, it was, it was definitely a shock to the system. I mean, I think the idea of parenthood, we have that probably embedded in us at an early age. So we're, you you may think about that, Mm -hmm. but to actually have your body physically change and Mm -hmm. to go through the process, Mm -hmm. it's a whole different type of reality. Yeah. I mean, and and then you look at life differently, right? I mean, and you also look at yourself differently. Mm -hmm. So for me, I saw a value in myself that was not like superficial or like, you know, about my immediate gain, but my value was the fact that I'm raising somebody else. And so I have to be at my best for them, Mm -hmm. not my best for myself. Wow. And that's in the same way that I had traditionally 
presented my right. best self. Yeah, that's in- that's really incredible to hear. You know, you had to kind of like strike that balance of the two roles. But when you're thinking about your career and your accomplishments, has that balance kind of changed over time? Like thinking about when they were toddlers to now as they're growing into young women in high school, probably wanting to spend a lot of time with their friends. Like how has that balance changed? And has it gotten easier, harder, different? I would say different not easier or harder per se I mean I think the balance is always adjusting some days you're totally dialed into your kids and as they get older their peer group becomes the greater influence Mm -hmm. right and so their presence you or yeah or, or Maurice yeah yeah so for me I'm glad that we were able to provide a foundation mm-hmm. Um, so that at least they have that as their jumping point. Right. As they are now evolving to the peer relationship mm-hmm. and how that influence is so paramount right. at this stage in life. Right. I mean, I guess when I think about like preparing them for this stage in life, mm-hmm. I feel like we did a good job because we were intentional mm-hmm. in providing them with skills that we needed for life or yeah. that they, that we perceived that they needed for life. Right. Um, And not just like basic survival skills, but like how to be a good person, Mm -hmm. how to be kind to people. That's something that we always talked about. Um, I know Kaiser has this thing like thrive Mm -hmm. and kindness and all of that. And that that was always like a focus. How do you how do you become a better person? Right. And so that was like what we poured into them. Right. How to be better. Yeah. In all aspects. Right. Mm -hmm. How to be a better student. Mm hmm. How to be a better person, how yeah. to be a better friend, how yeah. to be a better daughter. Yeah. Let's, let's work on that too if we going to work on some stuff. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But yeah. I mean, and it was never like an evaluation. It was always more so like where are their areas to improve at? Mm-hmm. And so instead of finding the deficits in our kids, we always empowered them with their strengths. Mm-hmm. And so if you if you know an area that you're not as strong mm-hmm. in, hey, you are now empowered to yeah. develop that strength. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm yeah. saying? And yeah. so... I think that that was also like the the part that really worked. Mm-hmm. Not pointing out their shortcomings, mm-hmm. but highlighting their strengths and encouraging them to bring their shortcomings and develop them into right. strengths. No, I love that. Mm-hmm. And would you I mean, would you say that you you and your husband are more kind of teaching them through your own actions or are you more kind of like a do as I like a balance of both I'll say this I think having kids and being an intentional parent your kids make you a better person mm-hmm. and I've even told that to my girls yeah. like I was I was cool yeah doing my thing yeah. before you but with you I have become better mm-hmm. and so in being better I'm doing better and I'm teaching better yeah yeah. Um, and so I think me and my husband, even without having all the conversations around that, we both have come to that understanding right. that we want our kids to be better than mm-hmm. we want their experiences to be better than us. We want all those generational curses that we may have had to kind of trudge through yeah. to not even be an issue for them. Um, you know, a bit getting better. Yeah. We expect y'all to do y- y'all get to go to better schools. Yeah. You get to live in better circumstances. Mm-hmm. So the the idea of better is not just like something we talk about. It's something that we actually live. Right. So we're living better than what our parents were able to provide for us right. and the expectation. And I tell this to my girls, especially at this point, I expect y'all to live better lives than or yeah. to be better parents and to provide better than what we were right. even able to provide for y'all. Right. So I think the idea of becoming kind of like what Michelle Obama talks mm-hmm. about becoming better right. is 
an intrinsic part of our parenting. Yeah, I, I love to hear that becoming and being able to remind them of your own circumstances and kind of how you're learning and how you want to kind of raise them in as you're becoming a stronger person, a stronger mother and, and raising them in, in better circumstances. I, I love that that's like a constant reference for them. It's so funny because you want to always give your kids more than what you have, but you also don't want them to be like entitled or grow up as, you know, mm-hmm. as brats, right? So like you'll see, you know, families that maybe have kids that are, you know, entitled or, or bratty, but it's how do you kind of strike that balance of you want to give them everything and you want them to have the world that they deserve, but you also want them to like be grounded in reality. Like how do you how do you achieve that? I think just kind of live in our truth. Mm-hmm. We can't avoid the reality that our circumstances were. And so it's not about hiding that. It's about like speaking truth to it. Like mm-hmm. this is what it was and while that was what it was, your circumstances are different. But just know it's one generation yeah. away. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like how yeah. close you're is not that? that removed. You're not that far removed. And yeah. I think that that's a good reminder, you know? Um, I also think sharing like what your coming of age circumstances mm-hmm. were. Um, Cause everybody's story is different. Yeah. Right. And so just kind of being able to share that with them and also let them know, like, this is what I learned from it as right, well. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I tried to be as, transparent and honest as I can be as in and make it as digestible to their appropriate age Mm -hmm. right or to their age as appropriately as possible and in doing that I have found myself as a parent being way and I I don't want to say like honest but just like very like forthcoming with my truth in Mm -hmm. spaces that I hadn't been before Mm -hmm. Um, I don't want them to be like game goofy. I don't want them to be unknowing. I don't want them to be detached from reality. I don't want them to live or think that they live this privileged life that is so far removed from any harsh realities. So while they do have some comforts as a result of our hard work, you know, the truth needs to be told. Mm -hmm. And that is something that I think in the past was not so much part of parenting. I think that there was like a lot of masking around the struggles that existed. Whereas us, we're like, we've come through to Mm -hmm. the other side. But let me tell you about the struggles. (laughs) So you know that they're out there. You know that they exist. They exist. And Mm -hmm. this is how mommy and daddy, you know, surpass those struggles. Mm -hmm. And so... I don't want them to be your struggles, but do know that there's another side to it if yeah. they do become yours. You know right. what I'm saying? It's just a, a real right. honesty. Yeah. Um, our kids are, we talk to our kids very honestly. Mm-hmm. As they have gotten older, um, I keep it all the way 100. <laughs> a little bit funky 100 at this and point. And I love that about your parenting <laughs> style. Yeah. Um, but kids are super smart. And I think sometimes people in their attempt to not damage their kids Mm -hmm. choose not to show them the truth yeah which in 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 a twisted way damages them because if it's not a truth it's a lie and so now your kid is basing their existence on this faux reality or they know what's really going on and now they can't talk to you about it because you are not you're not authentic exactly i'm so glad you brought that up because i think I think my parents did a great job, but I, I've, and I've talked about this in past episodes, but there really is something to be said about how you choose to communicate with your children. Mm-hmm. And I think you said something really important just now around 
age-appropriate dialogue and understanding what and how they can digest certain information or realities. And you want to be honest, but you also want to keep in mind like where they are at in their growth and, and what stage. So how do you choose to make those decisions when communicating something hard to them or communicating or explaining something that they don't understand? If, you know, say they see something at someone else's house or something on the street and they don't know what's going on, how do you choose to communicate that to them based on age? Because I I feel like in my own experience, my parents just wanted to shelter everything and and protect. And I think that had kind of the opposite effect because I was a smart kid. I kind of know what's going on and you're choosing not to communicate with me and have that dialogue and that kind of erodes the trust a bit. So how do you approach that? Wanting to protect your kids but also wanting to be real with them. Right. I think for me, well, I'm a criminologist. Yeah. (laughs) So I study crime. I study crime trends. I study criminals. I study victims. I mean, just my work inherently puts me in the throes of the more deviant aspects of society. And so to act as if I didn't know about that would be, you know, uh, you know, I'd be remiss as far as like sharing knowledge with my kids, Mm -hmm. as far as being authentic with myself, Mm -hmm. you know? So I think that that is one way. The other thing that I would say, and this is not in the moment, this is up leading up until my kids have always learned how to speak. I've always spoken to them, not in baby talk, but right. like in real language Talking talk, like a, per- like a person, like a yeah. real person. So yeah. they know real language and mm-hmm. they've been speaking since they were months old mm-hmm. versus years old. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. So our communication at the jump was mm-hmm. very authentic. You know, I'm talking to you like a real person because you are a real person. Yeah. You might be little and compact, yeah, but you're learning, you're learning, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. And so there was never like a jump to mm-hmm. this has always been an evolutionary kind of process. And right. so as we introduce concepts around danger, you know, stranger thing, danger, safety, um, the world itself, mm-hmm. drugs, and yeah. I mean, all of these things, it was always a part of a conversation that was always constantly always evolving. Had. Yeah. But I'm sure just changes in how you deliver it over time. Yeah. How we deliver it. I mean, you know, and then it's like, you know, things will happen in the news. You know, we live through a global pandemic. Oh. You got to talk about that. <laughs> Um, I mean, you know, being in the house, um, our own family members and seeing their experiences and having conversations about it, not just kind of dismissing it or sweeping right. underneath the bridge. I mean, the, the rug, but I mean, he on drugs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what does that mean? Yeah. Let's well, talk about, let's let's talk about that. Let's talk about that. You know what I'm saying? And it's not like I need to give them a whole rundown of the history of crack, even though that's yeah. one of my expertise areas. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to lie. Um, but you know, what does that look like as far as a family? What does that look like as far as kids, wealth, opportunities? Yeah. Right. And so, you know, just kind of being very open Mm -hmm. with them about that and be having open dialogue from the very beginning. Like as soon as they learned how to talk and we were communicating, it was very open. And so massaging that so that there's a comfort level in that, because, you know, transparency Mm -hmm. can be very conflictual for people and chaotic. Mm -hmm. And so I don't want them to hear the first kind of word out somebody's mouth and be like, oh, my God, that's so troubling. No, you've heard that before. We've given a whole definition, a context, a conversation, giving you an example about that. So the next time that you see it and you see it out here in action you have a whole dialogue you have a whole language to describe that and it's not foreign to you it may be foreign as far as your own experience but you know how to talk about it it. conversate about it yeah 
Um, and then just being open about mm-hmm. it. Like, you know, yeah. this ain't our household, but yeah. over there across the street or that's around so, the way. So that's exactly, that was <laughs> my follow-up is, it's also teaching them, like your guys' style is, I, I think it's so admirable. You're just teaching them how to have critical thinking about things and how to question things and think about things in a way that is not insulated or closed-minded, just asking questions and having that discussion and dialogue. And that was going to be my next question is, you have such a critical, constructive dialogue and you're teaching them how to communicate at home so effectively. How do you address instances where they're at school with their peer groups and they're you know, talking about things that maybe you don't agree with or they bring something home and they maybe they think about something differently than you do? How do you address those types of things while you want to teach them certain things and they maybe don't agree or maybe they learn something that is new to you? How do you approach those kinds of situations as a mom who's teaching them how to kind of think critically about those types of things? I think the important thing is to let your kids know that you do not know everything. I think sometimes, and that was maybe like a... um, a misstep in some of our previous parenting they they presented as if they they were the all knowing and, yeah. and, and that was it and it's like I'm, I'm i let my kids know i don't know all about that and sometimes yeah. the the power balance of information exchanges them to me and i'm accepting of that so that they see that this is a two-way street i'm not just telling you everything you yeah. can tell me stuff yeah. too we and can we can talk about it we yeah. can totally talk about mm-hmm. it because some of the stuff that they encounter i've never been exposed to right, right? and so it's new to me and mm-hmm. so we're processing it together but they know we've created this space to process like stuff together. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, and I'll say stuff and they'll be like, mommy, that's not politically correct or that's inappropriate. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, let me, yeah. let me dial it down. Yeah. I had no mm-hmm. idea. Or they'll, you know, say something like, you know, mommy, well, what do you think about that? Yeah. Or this was my experience about that. What are, yeah. what are your thoughts? And, you know, I may have a point of reference and I may not. And, and similar to them, they may have a point of reference on something or they may not, yeah. you know? And so just kind of, like you said, creating a, a safe space where we can fumble in our ideas. Mm-hmm. We can fumble in the appropriateness and yeah. finding the way yeah. to talk about it and finding our opinion. Without being worried of judgment, judgment or perspective. Or, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I like that. Yeah. That is, I think that's something I worry about i mean having teenage kids is so far from now but i also know it's going to be like tomorrow Mm -hmm. right i recognize the older i get the further we're moving away from new generations and i think something that i also struggled with as a kid was i felt my parents were just out of touch and they don't know what's going on they don't even want to hear out you know what our generation is caring about or thinking about And I don't want to have that divide between my kids while still, you know, kind of maintaining like that parent-child relationship. I still want to have that similar kind of open dialogue. I mean, it, it sounds like you have kind of pushed past like those generational barriers by just being open to wanting to learn about what they're thinking or caring about. I mean, has, have you encountered things like that where yeah, <laughs> it's I just mean, hard to understand? Or it, it, It's interesting because, um, you know, growing up in San Francisco, like the LGBTQ community is just, that's San Francisco, yeah. right? You just, that's just an aspect of it. And so I felt like I was well-versed in that, you know? And so then when my, 
youngest daughter came and introduced like the concept of like the different flags that represent different, you know, sexual preferences and gender identities. Like that was totally new to me and Mm -hmm. not new, like it existed, but the fact that there was representation flags and insignia all associated with that. And so I had to be honest, like, wow, I had no idea. And I'm thinking like, I lived in San Francisco, one of the most liberal cities in the entire nation. (laughs) I got this whole thing under lock. And it was like, no, you don't. There's yeah. there's been some progression in the there's movement. Levels. There's yeah. levels to this, and you're yeah. not the basic level, you know. But I appreciate it. I'm, I value knowledge. Yeah, I deal with people in the educational space, and for me to not know is a total disadvantage mm-hmm. to all the work that I do. So wherever it's coming from, if it's a textbook, a Google, you know, scholar site, or from my own child, mm-hmm. I value the information and I let them know, like, thank yeah. you. You you let mommy know something different. Yeah. I will move differently as a result of that, just as I expect you to move differently as a result of any information that sure. I share with you. So I want to kind of shift over into your pregnancy journeys, having both girls, pregnancy, postpartum, even like the new, the newborn stage or the toddler stage, like with both of them, does anything kind of from from that time in your life like stick out to you as being like really meaningful to you or particularly challenging with either pregnancy or maybe transitioning from having one to two anything stick out particularly for you so for me my first trimester with both of the girls was very hard they were totally healthy. I just, you know, experienced severe morning sickness. Oh no! Yeah, my body was like, "What is going on?" And then you did it again. Was it just the first? Or just was the first it? semester. Okay. Just but the it first. was it was aggressive. It was yeah. very aggressive. Oh, I actually no. had to live with my mom when I was pregnant with my second baby because yeah. I couldn't take care of my first oh, I baby. Yeah. Because I was so sick, right? So that was one thing that stood out for sure. (laughs) You know, just having the girls and having them, they're less than two years apart. So that was a challenge, you know, healing from a C-section, taking care of a two-year-old or almost not even a two-year-old, a one-year-old that's running all over the place. Um, That was hard. Mm -hmm. But I will say having them so close in age, a year later, they were able to play and run with each other. So that helped out. I think that was like the biggest issue with that, the pregnancy journey. Um, For me, postpartum, I actually had postpartum anxiety with my first daughter. Mm. I was scared to like leave the house. I was scared to drive. I was scared like, oh my God, I'm about to put this little precious baby in this horrible world. Yeah. People are like little eight pound baby. Here you go. 9.4. 9.4. Yeah. (laughs) That was, and that was the little baby. But, and so, and you know, I'm, I'm into therapy. I've been in the psychology space for several decades at this point now. So I was open to like therapy. Mm -hmm. Um, I think people should be open to therapy Mm -hmm. for sure. Um, but you just need to kind of like a check-in, like, is this normal how I'm feeling? I'm yeah. tired. I'm, but I'm wired though. I can't go to sleep. The baby, I'm checking if they breathing all the time. Yeah. Um, you know, you know, <laughs> you know just, do you hate, don't you hate that piece of advice people give you sleep when the baby sleeps? Like, okay, then I'm going to do dishes when the baby does. Right. Dishes. It's like, okay, so when, when do I actually get to wash my body or, you know, any of that type of stuff? When the baby washes. When, it, exactly. <laughs> and then when you have two, it's like, you know, when both of them do that, you know? So <laughs> I think, with the two of them it almost it's interesting like I just felt it was complete by the time the youngest was one and the oldest was almost three three, yeah it was it just worked Mm -hmm. like they were able to entertain each other and then my my older daughter is just she's a natural leader they both are and so she was really 
excited to be a big sister mm-hmm. and we really celebrated her role as a big sister that's great yeah i mean to be honest with you she's an excellent big sister mm-hmm. and she was a huge influence on her little sister so pouring into that first yeah. one helps you with that second one it's a long-term investment <laughs> it's not the short game it's yeah. the end game it's that long one Man. but i mean so for me those were like my my primary challenges mm-hmm. with them I mean, overall, like healthy. I was healthy. My girls were really large babies. The first yeah. one, nine, four. The second one, 11, Did two. Did you have two, two C-sections? Or two C-sections. Two okay. Yeah. Thank God. Yeah. I didn't want to push out 11, yeah. two. I don't know what that would do oh later in life. 11 pounds? Two ounces. Are yeah. you serious? Kai, yes. You're not, you're lying. You didn't know that? I did not know this. I thought they were both like two, nine pound, like healthy girls. I mean, no. they're both healthy, of course. One was extra healthy. <laughs> We didn't even have the clothes for her. My husband had to go home and bring, because no we had like way. newborn clothes. Oh my God. She left in three to six month clothes. Stop it. I'm not even Most playing. babies, my kids, I, I feel like we had big kids, but they were drowning in newborn clothes. Like all babies do. Not oh mine. Three my to six gosh. months. Were you over 40 weeks? No. She came early because we Are had you? a scheduled C-section. <laughs> so like, thank God. Thank God. <laughs> what would she have been if I went, you know, that extra week? Oh she could have gained the extra pound. 11 pounds. She was eating great. What were you eating that that second pregnancy? Did you have cravings? I did. I had. So that first pregnancy, all meat. All meat. And I'm not even a meat eater like that. I just, sausage. I don't need no eggs, no toast, just sausage. Sausage. Just a link. I just, no bread. (laughs) Any kind? Yes. Or like pork, beef, doesn't matter. I just needed meat. (laughs) And then with Kai, I wanted, oh, it's so weird. I was eating grapefruit and asparagus. I ate grapefruit and asparagus for like five months straight. I would call Sizzlers and I was like, hey, I just need a side of asparagus. (laughs) They started knowing when I was, I'm calling at 1130. I'll be there at 12. They were like, asparagus? Yeah, you know who it is. You know who it is. You by name. Oh my gosh. That's so interesting. And both, both girls, obviously. It's so weird how that changed. Cause it's like. I mean, I, I don't know this whole like old wives tales, but like just gender specific cravings or pregnancy experiences, but very different for you. Meat and asparagus produce. and grapefruit. It's so, <laughs> and I mean, I was can drinking. You, can you tolerate any of those things now? I, I mean, in, in, in moderation. Dose, yeah. Like I'm not just out here eating asparagus every day for life now, but I'm saying like for five months straight, asparagus wow. every day, five months straight, grapefruit. And I'm talking Sausage. about like that nasty bitter Oof. white grapefruit not even the not pink the no no not the ruby red not the- <laughs> <laughs> no minute made in none here. of that oh my gosh that is wild so maybe grapefruit and asparagus make you have big babies <laughs> okay remind me to stay, <laughs> so stay away from that yeah. in the future no i tore my first pregnancy i didn't my second so i'm gonna hold out for my third yes <laughs> Wow. So when you had, I appreciate you sharing the postpartum anxiety experience because after coming out of my postpartum anxiety, did I realize I I had it? I was like, oh, that was not healthy. No. (laughs) That was a crazy mindset. Were you, were you sleeping well at that time or was it just purely that hormonal shift that really kind of messed with your, your, your mental? Like, what do you think? I don't think I was sleeping well. I actually, by the time I, when I transitioned back to work, mm-hmm. luckily there were like moms at my job. Yeah. And I remember this one mom, Lilia. Lilia. What's uh, that, Lilia? Lilia. Yeah. But she just told me, she was like, cause I was up like cleaning while they were asleep. She was like, you need to go to sleep. Like, I guess she could just see the sleep deprivation right. exuding off of my person. Oh man. 
Um, but she was just telling me, you need to go to sleep. And she told me, and this is something that I even still live by. She said, the hell with that kitchen. And I mean, growing up in my personal so family, yeah, so growing hard. like the kitchen, you have to keep clean. You have to keep clean. Right. But she said, the hell with that kitchen. And that was probably one of the most powerful statements that I heard because yeah. I'm thinking like I'm failing as a parent. Yeah. My house is not up to standard. The kitchen isn't clean, you know? And But she was like, no, you have got to prioritize. Yeah. And she said, if the kitchen got dirty, that means everybody ate. So your job was yes. done. And I and, and and that was something that, I mean, and those are those little pieces of advice that you're kind of like, ah, I didn't even think I, how yeah. powerful that was. But when yeah. she was, I remember going into the kitchen like at like 10 o'clock after the babies had been asleep. And I was like, you know what? The hell with this kitchen. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because I was about to spend another right. two, hours two hours invested in cleaning it up. Which would have left me with what four hours of sleep because the baby's gonna wake and up then when you the baby... wouldn't be able to show up exactly the next day. yeah and so just kind of prioritizing what's important and then being comfortable in knowing what's the most important right mm. the baby is fed cleaned changed but as a vehicle of providing for your baby you have to be together too mm -hmm. and I think that that's one thing that parents especially like newer moms yeah. don't really focus on like okay I don't need to take a shower today mm -hmm. I don't need to do that somebody who's just sucking on your titties yeah. for milk for three hours <laughs> yeah. you know what I'm saying like you do need like to take clean, a shower clean yourself up you yeah. know what I'm saying yeah. and, and it's like what is that 20 minutes going to do yeah. in the grander scheme mm -hmm. of things right it's going to totally empower you give you a little bit of energy and but without that 20 minutes are you going to be able to show up as the best parent to your kid yeah. and so that's where that you know since the community family balance your partner comes in mm -hmm. like I need this 20 minutes yeah. like it's not just in here to just wash and yeah. set up but it's like I need to recharge cry a little bit cry, cry a little bit you know what i'm saying like just kind of be in tune with my own my body because my body at a certain point was a vehicle of milk for somebody else mm -hmm. and nutrients and not even talking about the whole nine month yeah. prior to you know what i'm saying but that time and we have to intentionally carve out that time for ourselves yeah. to be our better selves so that we can show up as a better person parent or whatever a yeah. partner or right. whatever it is yeah it is so funny that you mentioned that the 20 the 20 minutes that you need because I just remember it was bad with Jade I mean I, I'm sure you yeah I'm sure you can gather it was bad with Jade but like I came home and I just feel like the those four months were just I could never get like 10 minutes to myself and when I did I would be like panicking like she crying like blah 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 it's just crazy to think that I was I would be in the shower like trying to get those 20 minutes and hearing like the phantom cries and wanting to like rush out just so anxiety induced and now I'm just like all right I'm gonna take a shower you can't like you right. handle the kids. well I mean and, and I think that that you know the the value in marriage as a married married yes. partnership because mom is always going to do more. And I say that not to discredit parent dads oh, because sure. dads do. So that's 65% that mom does. Mm -hmm. She can do it exceptionally well when dad comes through with his 35%. Right. And so that's the huge benefit to marriage, right? Because your partner pours into you, you pour into your child. Your child is then thriving for everybody to reap the benefits right. from. If nobody's pouring into you, you're pouring from an empty cup. And so, you know, I, I also think we need to be able or willing to allow our partners to step into their role as parents. Yeah. I was scared because I mean, I mean, even though my husband had a son before, I was like, I don't know. About, yeah. <laughs> I don't know about you're, that. You're going to drop the baby. Right. You know, <laughs> but, but I mean, he would, he would do his thing totally different from me. 
you know, no hair done. Yeah. No work. That's not a huge yeah. deal. Yeah. I mean, but it is. What uh, it, how what, long did it take you to get over like thing over things not done your way? It took a while, but I had to. But they're done. They're done yeah. though, right? Like mm-hmm. at the end of the day, they were clean. They were fed. Mm-hmm. Is that the outfit I would have chose? Probably no. not. Yeah. Like why'd you choose? Yeah. This? Like really? <laughs> is her hair brushed the way I would have liked it? No. Probably not. But. Yeah. She ain't tripping, so yeah. I'm not tripping. You know what I'm saying? But they were good. Yeah. And so I had to kind of just let that. So my husband watched the girls one day a week. I went to school. You know I mean? Went to work. And mm-hmm. then my mom watched them the other days. Mm-hmm. So it was daddy daycare on right. his Monday or right. whatever day it was. And he would send me pictures. And I'm just like, oh, my God. My baby's <laughs> out here thugging. But you know what? <laughs> she was fed and she was happy. Yeah, that's that is such an important point that you raise because I feel like with your with your brother, it took me like a while to just completely let go of expectation mm-hmm. and reinforce their ability to be fathers, which is not being a mother. It's a completely different experience. It's different. But they're capable of doing it and they are fantastic men, fantastic fathers and just re- like the moment that you let go of that, I feel like I was Oh, I'm free. Like, the, like the fact that I couldn't don't care as much anymore. Yes, like, you do. You, you, yes. you are capable. I trust you. I love you. You are fantastic. Like, it took so long to get there, though, and and I think that yeah. that's fair to say for many mothers' journeys because mm-hmm. you know, as a mother, not as a woman, but as a mother, yes. like you are, you are charged with protecting and providing in a way, right? <laughs> yeah, and it's just interesting. To see men do it their way. And and they do it. Like, do you know it. what I'm saying? My husband was fine. Like he he did his <laughs> thing. I'm not a, I'm not mad at it. It was just his whole way. That was his way. Mm-hmm. But you, like you said, that being comfortable with allowing them to do it yeah. their way. Yeah. Um, and I think that that also like kind of speaks to us stepping out of our way as a mother. Mm-hmm. Like parenting is parenting. Yeah. Like as long as you get the fundamentals, yeah. you clean, you fed, <laughs> and you, you save. <laughs> good right yeah and so i think that that was a challenge for me i'm not gonna not gonna lie huge challenge but once i allowed that to happen it was like cool you go go ask your daddy go talk to your dad about that because i mean i did choose him Mm -hmm. you know he chose me but we like i'm like okay so he is a solid man you know what i'm saying like and i think they also see that confidence you have in each other too and i think one thing that's special about Jade or Malachi with 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 their dad is they have such a different relationship with him and they expect different things and they know that they can get you know certain they don't get certain things from him that they get from me and vice versa right and being able to develop that kind of intelligence around how you interact with someone or daddy is not mommy and like here's how I can be with daddy here's Mm -hmm. how I can be with mommy I think is like a a really important distinction too and like not having to be like optimal (laughs) right right I mean because sometimes I mean kids like to come to mom for hugs and kisses and that level of reassurance sometimes they go to dad for like a high five and it's the same level of housing yeah Yeah. and it's it's reassurance yes it's just how he provides it Mm -hmm. exactly exactly Okay, so let's move over into a question that's just out of pure curiosity to me. Your girls are now 16 and 14? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. What has been the hardest age so far 
and why for but for each of them i'm sure it's i'm sure it's probably different for each of them right because every kid has a different temperament and i mean i know people say a lot about teenage girls in particular teenage girls it hasn't been like a huge like teenage hasn't been like a huge issue Mm -hmm. i mean you you see like a couple of extra attitudes like you know it's like oh okay (laughs) you thought you could say that to me huh you know um But so that hasn't, it hasn't been like really rough. I mean, I guess each stage has its own issues, right? So the little kid stage or baby stage, you're worried about them like putting stuff in their mouth and jesting and choking. Yeah. Um, So that was like a huge challenge because I had, and I had one that was a runner, told you that. Um, And then one that would eat everything. Yeah. And so trying to manage that. So that was the initial challenge. Um. And then I think for me, like going to when they went to school, they went to a lot of private schools. So oftentimes they were like the one or the very few minority students there. Um, And so ensuring that they felt comfortable. And I think I'm sure that their comfort or my my perception of their comfort was around my comfort as well. Okay. And so kind of easing off of that because kids don't know about all of the bigger dynamics that play into society right. and race and gender and finances. They just like the guy, the kid with the red shirt. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And so kind of dialing that back. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they moved to a public elementary school for first and third grade. Mm-hmm. And I was concerned about that swimmingly. No problems yeah, there. it was fine, yeah. And so I think a lot of times the problems or the issues that we anticipate are our own kind of rackets yeah. playing in our mind. Yeah. And so that was a challenge, just moving out of my mindset and just kind of allowing to see how it lies for them. Yeah. Um, I think as far as parenting it's been the consistent challenge, right? Mm-hmm. You're always worried about safety, security, there being them being accepted, not being bullied, mm-hmm. right? So those are always like the paramount things, you know. I guess as a teenager now, you know, it's like the schools are the school safe, like so those are kind of like the yeah. challenges. Like I, I find myself, but as far as like them as individuals, I'm not. My concerns don't are not falling on them. It's more okay. about the context in which they become these individuals. Got How it. is that going to affect them? Yeah. How is it going to be safe? Who's going to be there? What kind of influences are going to be there? Like those are the constant things that I'm always yeah. thinking about. Um, I look at social media and I'm like, how are they on social media? Right, right. You know what I'm saying? Like, because you know people that stuff we didn't we didn't I didn't have to deal with that yeah. as coming up. You know what I'm saying? And now that I'm on social media, like I want them to be my friends so yeah. I can see what's going on. They don't want that. <laughs> <laughs> they're not even tripping yeah oh they, they're not no, no that's great they're not even tripping good yeah you know what i'm saying because <laughs> i mean wow yeah it's like you're you know, really killing it <laughs> what, what are you there's there shouldn't be anything to to hide in yeah. an environment where individuality is applauded and yeah. celebrated like right. if that's who you are then be it you know yeah. what i'm saying so i guess for me the challenges with them have been more so where they're moving to and like the concerns in that respective environment sure. less about them but really just like about safety and security yeah. you know they're like the experiences that they go through are i feel like are so different than the experiences that we went through as young women the social media information age and school safety we just never had to really think about so kind of thinking like you touched on social media a little bit and befriending them on social media 
how like what is your perspective on being the mom that is your kid's friend like your best friend are you of the like of the perspective like I want to be my child's friend or I am like purely their mom or is it like kind of a little bit of both and where do you like where do you strike that balance a little bit I guess I mean because I always tell them I'm not one of your little friends you know what I'm saying so let me start with that um I knew that I heard that but but I have raised them to be compatible to me Mm -hmm. um so I do envision us becoming friends as they become adults I think just as a parent, I have too much to teach them right yeah. now for us to shift that dynamic and that balance right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I do see that they will be my friends. They're my best broke friends right now. <laughs> um, and they're like, mommy, why do you say that? I'm like, cause y'all ain't got no money. <laughs> you have my money. You have my money that yeah. you ask for all the time. But no, we're not like friends. We're friendly, mm-hmm. but I have too much to teach them to be on that level and 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 also the fact that i do believe in that respect like you know what i'm saying i've lived a whole lifetime before i even had y'all mm-hmm. so my knowledge base will be respected the mm-hmm. fact that i provide for you in this way will be respected yeah. so that inherently is going to create a power differential mm-hmm. it's um not, you're you're not equals yeah you're we're not, not on the same level yeah, yeah you know what i'm saying not at all <laughs> You know, but, but I do respect them as individuals and I think that they respect me as not just their mom, but as a person who has Mm -hmm. lived a life that they are interested and intrigued about finding information about. I don't encourage people to be their kids' friends. Um, That's what they friends is for. You want a friend, go to school. You know what I'm saying? But, you know, I have, like I said, I just have too much to teach them. You know Mm -hmm. what I'm saying? I have to prepare y'all for life, to be a woman, to be a black woman in this society, to be educated, to go after your money. Like, what does friendship fit into all of that? You what, know are your, what are your friends going to do? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, and so, I mean, and, and even kind of to what you just said, like, I want your friends to be the social kind of norm yeah. for you. Yeah. But as far as the teacher, that's what me and your dad are for. Yeah. And if you need some further instruction, that's what your granny is yeah. for. You know what I'm saying? I don't, I want you to get the knowledge from people who are more wise yeah. than you are, who are, who have more lived experience. And then that other peer support stuff you can get from your, yeah. your, your, classmates or your friends in yeah. at school or whatever um i i actually really discourage people from looking to be in their kids friends because who wants to be friends with a person that's 20 30 years younger than you <laughs> what, what's going on with you <laughs> start there <laughs> yeah i think you hit it on the head i'm i'm very aligned kind of with that perspective how do you think about confidant like being a confidant or being being someone they can come to when they're scared or have to bring like awkward conversation to you like do you think that's something that should be kind of uh, that you would want to come to you versus like a friend group like a peer group and and I'm sure it's kind of like it's it's a mixture of both but like how do you think about that too well this is how I think your friends know as much as you do. Yeah. So if you have questions, they don't know anything either. Yeah. And so I don't want you to go to them for that type of stuff. Um, it will be awkward and uncomfortable, but we've had awkward and uncomfortable conversations before mm-hmm. and we've come through to the other side. So yeah. you know what the end result will be. And so I want them to come to me if they have questions. Yeah. I mean, you know what I'm saying? And it's, and in having those conversations, I let my daughters know like, yeah. It's uncomfortable for me too, yeah. Yeah. and know that nobody ever had this conversation with me. Yeah. So I don't even know how to how this yeah. goes. We're I'm doing just, this together. We're yeah. learning together. Yeah. yeah, you know. But like, I mean, conversations around sex. Mm-hmm. I had. I mean, I sat them down and was like, "This is the difference between sex, rape, 
making love and fucking. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, you yeah. have to be across the yeah. board. And I think sometimes it's like, it's hard to imagine that. But if you have friends or you're now in a space where people are having these types of yeah. things, these experiences, I need you to be informed about it. Mm-hmm. And not from their same 14 or 16 year old experience, but yeah. from an yeah. informed mm-hmm. In, you know perspective i mean we talk about drugs like I said, yeah. i'm a criminologist so i'm talking about like, last two weeks ago we were talking about fentanyl overdoses yeah. oh, you know what i'm saying God. but hey yeah. hey i mean it, it it would be ridiculous and it would be you know what i'm saying silly of me to not share the information that i share yeah. with my college students That's with around them, them around them right all the time yeah so we talk about it like yeah. y'all know about the dope fiends that was in the family you know what i'm saying and it's like don't do that <laughs> <laughs> you see the, the, the 60 year olds old still you dealing see, with that affliction you see the outcome you see the outcome yeah, you know what i'm saying yeah. so i think you know again making it age appropriate mm-hmm. so this is not like a lecture in a college environment yeah. you know what i'm saying i'm having it with two high school students who probably have the desire to have this conversation very little probably don't want to have a long conversation <laughs> so i'm thinking mindful what can i say to get the greatest impact yeah. in the shortest yeah. amount of time the fact that all of us are uncomfortable in this yeah. conversation so yeah. i'm monitoring my own feelings but yeah. also being aware of theirs but at the end of the day do i want them to know or not know mm-hmm. do i want them to be informed by somebody who is educated and knows about it or by their little friends that are yeah. just as uninformed as they are and so we push through so we've yeah. had you know and I, and I have to actually have to revisit the conversation around like sex and engaging with you know men and you know what does that look like or nowadays you might even have to have the conversation about same-sex relationships right. even if you don't have a point of reference yourself right. so like being comfortable in the uncomfortable mm-hmm. spaces to ensure that your kids don't have that uncomfortable experience later right. in life is the greater end goal for me I think there's something so important and effective about showing your kids that you're vulnerable and that you are uncomfortable or that like we are going to have this conversation and I am like not dominating this conversation because I'm learning too or I'm vulnerable too and I think that is like a really great approach to wanting to develop to wanting to develop that like confidant relationship with your your children without being there best friend like without being their bff because and that's that is like those are the situations or interactions that i'm like fearing most is i know so little about it and but for the same reason like i didn't have those conversations with my parents nor you know and again i think it's purely generational like i I think it's like there's a, a huge difference between like old school and new school like millennial parents i feel like are way more emotionally like available willing and intelligent and i was telling maurice last week i was like it's gonna be so interesting to see your kids as like 30 year old women or like my kids as teenagers or in their 20s because i feel like they're gonna they're gonna be so different emotionally and from a communication respect like it's gonna be it's it's gonna be really different than what we are used to growing up so yeah and i'm actually super happy about that i i I was talking about that because i'm like right on the cusp of like millennial slash gen x um and i I lean more towards millennial yeah not trying to be younger (laughs) but i mean i think that there's some differences right i mean just around communication like i said i'm a psychology major and I've been 20 years ago when people were not talking about mental illness. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Like, just the, a, yeah. that was what like, that? what? I, I think it's super important to have, uh, comp- have, to have language around feelings. Mm-hmm. 
a lot of times I, I see, especially our parents' generation, it was like feelings. Ain't nobody got time for feelings. <laughs> You know, and it's like, like no, it yeah. right? Yeah. That was the mentality. Suck it up. Somebody push you down. Like, suck it, suck up. it up. That's life. Yeah. And that's like, yeah. no, like I, I don't get to process how <laughs> yeah. I feel. And I don't I, get to put a word to like right, emotion. Right. And, and so these, my kids, and I think most many kids of this era have a, an acute awareness that even their parents and definitely their grandparents don't have around emotional intelligence right. that I think should be really celebrated. I don't know if it's been the pandemic For and our sure. recognition around mental wellness and well-being, but whatever it is, mm-hmm. I think that that will be something that our kids will take and then push to the next limit. Yeah. I feel like we will be probably in our old age by then, but it's going to be interesting. Yeah, it's like, oh, okay, so we're all processing things <laughs> yeah. now. Okay, okay, let us let let me process, you know. Yeah. I mean, but even just like, you know, hearing my niece talking about br- taking a deep breath. Yeah. I'm like, oh my God, she's two. But you know what I'm saying? Like, seriously though. But seriously, seriously though, though, like, yeah. I've never heard that before. I I didn't hear that until Mm -hmm. I was an adult about taking a breath and just being in the moment or listening or, you know, needing to like, you know, you know, reduce all the stimuli and just being the mom. My mom used to tell us, go over there, (laughs) sit in the corner until you can come back. That was the process. There was no language around that. It was like, either go over there, I'm going to beat your ass. You know what I'm saying? It's like, well, the corner it is. Right, I mean, but just kind of think. Do I have another, another is there option? another option? <laughs> and so, just now having like, okay, are you upset? So when my Let's girls talk about it, yeah. When they were upset, I used to let them be emotionally however they were. You just don't get just to react, throw that yeah. on us. So if you, I still have, a reaction yeah, I'm having reactions. Yeah. So their timeouts were never timed. It yeah. was like go to your room yeah. until you can come back out here. When you're able to come and engage, engage with the rest yeah. of the room, yeah, I remember Maurice saying then that. you yeah. then it's fine. But you don't get to be out here, right? But I don't want to... You don't want to invalidate their feelings. Yeah, you should be able to feel Mm -hmm. how you feel. And I'm going to respect that. But I'm also going to uh, show you how to contain that so it doesn't disrupt everything, everybody, you know, everybody else. Yeah. I like that. And so they would come back two, three minutes later, maybe five, ten minutes. And I would check in. Are you okay? I'm fine, mommy. Okay, cool. Well, welcome back. Have you heard of, like, gentle parenting? Kind of. Kind of gentle. So I think... And I think your your brother, my husband, Maurice, like you guys have kind of similar approaches. You're very, you set boundaries, but you also allow within those boundaries to like communicate well and put words to feelings and like take a minute to understand how I'm reacting to this thing or why this thing is not okay. There's just like a certain level of patience that I think is in your guys' genes or something. <laughs> I don't know what it is. It came from our dad. The McClure kids have like patients that I've never seen before, which is kind of wild. That is all daddy. I will give he he because he. I mean, I think even before you know he's older, older was older man, but like he didn't just react on us, and so we he explains. So we don't just react. We're just like, oh, wonder if they're going through something. I'll I'll ask them about that. You know, it is it is such a like refreshing thing to see, and it's it's. So it's such a blessing to like be part of that because I think, I mean, I'm, I'm very impatient and I've kind of grown up around like temper and quick to quick to react and like not a lot of agency around my own kind of feelings or like how I'm reacting to a situation. So it's really nice to see some more than others. Yes. So I will say I'm probably on the smaller end of the patients, but 
but no, like we we we're not like fast reactors. Yeah, we no, will process and think about that. No, yeah, I think it's great, and it's like something <laughs> that it's so great to see and 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 model after. So, well, it's been an hour already. This has been wonderful. We've also been sip like weaning down a bottle of champagne so i think that's why, i think that's why the conversation's been going so great it helps it helps with the flow it helps, it helps with the flow but i want to thank you so much for taking time out of your saturday to come talk to me about motherhood and sharing all of your beautiful experiences you are someone that i genuinely admire and look up to and i'm so grateful to have I've never had a sister. I now have two sisters, <laughs> two sister-in-laws. But I'm just, I'm just so thankful to have you to just to look at as a model of of great, genuine motherhood, and also just like a successful career-driven woman as well. I'm just so grateful, and and I thank God that I I have you all in my life, and that my kids have you as an auntie, and it's just great to learn from you and and just want to thank you for for being here thank you you are everything that you said to me i could toast to you i'm oh. you are a beautiful addition to our family thank you i Seriously. lost i lost my glass i don't know <laughs> where'd it go we took a bathroom break in the middle of this and i don't know where i put it and i'm just like where's my glass <laughs> well i'll toast yeah, to the both yeah. of us we have another bottle in the fridge we might go open the kids are still napping so this is perfect uh, <laughs> well i want to thank everyone for tuning in this week is there anything else you wanted to say or oh, do you have like a social media that you want to kind of plug for people to follow you like instagram actually i do so want more with dr moore at want more it's at want more yes at want more with dr moore I'll, yes. i will put her handle in this episode bio so at this episode description, I'll link that to Talia's page. And thank you everyone for listening and have a wonderful week. Mm-hmm.